up everybody welcome back to the show so my name is tiffany e and i am here to give you guys your full recap of the survivor series pay-per-view this past sunday so let's get into it let's start off with the matches and then we'll get into what i didn't like and what i really did like and i'll give you my overall consensus of the show and where i think things are headed going forward into the next set of storylines and pay-per-views that we're going to see. So let's dive right into this. We're going to make it quick. I'm going to try to keep it under 30 minutes. So please bear with me. If my voice goes in and out, please understand that I was yelling at the TV yesterday and that made my voice go out. If you want to see my commentary on the show from last from last night, then you can always go follow me at Psych Design TV too, and you can see my commentary there. That is my personal page, and as always, follow us at Down for the Count Nineteen on Twitter. It's fun on Twitter. We have a good time, and you can always follow us on Instagram. We post things on there as well, and that's at D Four TC underscore Podcast. All right, ladies and gents, so let's get into Survivor Series. They started off the show very high. They put Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch up first, which I was very shocked at. But I kind of understand it. If they would have put Charlotte and Becky Lynch before Roman and Big E's match, that would have taken Big E and Roman's momentum all the way out. People would not have been invested in his match. And on top of that, Charlotte and Becky's match was really, really good. So them being in that match early like putting them right out the gate it set the tone for survivor series to be great it gave us an, a massive amount of energy you were ready it was fun wwe has a way of structuring their pay-per-views now so that they work out better for the fans and for the superstars so somebody's thunder isn't getting stolen and those who are trying to get their praise and accolades from their performance can get them because we can see it we're here for it and it's there charlotte flair and becky lynch did the absolute most and i was here for every minute of it they came out there in their gear their gear was great the only one's gear i thought didn't have a full execution was Becky's. I thought Becky's was a little lazy. Now, from my understanding and from a lot of fan speculation, Becky and Charlotte's gear were very reminiscent of two Marvel villains slash anti-heroes. So, Wanda usually, aka Scarlet Witch, is considered an anti-hero villain type of character. If you look at the older comics for Marvel, Wanda, or rather Scarlet Witch, was a villain. If you look at the newer versions of what Scarlet Witch is via the movies, she would be considered an anti-hero. And then you had Agatha, <clears throat> the witch. Agatha is a pure heel, pure villain. So what they, what the fans came up with and what I thought was pretty cool, at least that's what we're alluded to believe. And if that's not the case, then so be it. But it just looked that way. It played out well. If that wasn't the case, it played out well in their favor. Charlotte Flair looked like she was channeling Agatha. Meanwhile, Becky looked like she was channeling Scarlet Witch. And the only thing that gave it away for Becky was her kick pads, I think they're called. And they came up really high like boots, like pointy boots. 
she looked nice. I thought Becky looked great in the color red. That is a color that works for her. She looked beautiful. But the kick pads were a bit distracting because it was the only thing that was extremely avant-garde for her. Everything else was pretty much in Becky's wheelhouse. Except for the one piece that she continuously had them butterflaps that I like to call her butt, excuse me. Her butterflaps was out, honey, and it was for the world to see. <laughs> Okay, that thing was pulling in the middle and the flaps was out. <laughs> all in all, Becky looked beautiful. I thought Charlotte looked amazing in her robe. She had a black robe on, reminiscent to her old school black robe, but it was a bit more streamlined to fit her. And she had the spikes on the shoulders. She came out there as evil queen as she could. And I loved it. I thought that her makeup was stunning. She looked beautiful. The only thing that I couldn't stand about Charlotte was them two weak ass braids sis had in the front. I don't know who did them. I don't know who was attempting to put some put some braids in the front of her hair with the weave. But girl, you could have put some <laughs> sis. You could have put human hair in her hair. You did not have to use Kanekalon or Tokalon to put to put that in there. Okay, if you don't know what that is, Google it, baby. Okay, that's what we use in our hair when we do box braids because it's kinky enough to stay braided with our hair. Okay, but when you do that with a girl who has finer, thinner textured hair, it is very blatant, it stands out, and it does not blend well. You have to use the hair texture to match her hair texture so that it works. I'm gonna get into some more braids later because that's some shit I didn't like, but I had to go there because these two women... pulled out all the styles and they did amazing in this match when i tell you this match was going from beginning to end it was going this match definitely is a five star match it was better than their last woman standing match it was better than that it had all of the anger animosity and heat you can think of and becky ended up winning in the end she cheated just as well as charlotte tried to cheat Charlotte got bested by her own move and there was nothing that she could do other than just say, you got me. She smiled, she stood up, she took her bow and Charlotte left. Charlotte didn't say anything. She didn't, she didn't, you know, make it seem like she didn't deserve to lose because at the end of the day, there was nothing she could do. The decision is final and she tried to cheat before Charlotte, I mean, before Becky. So Charlotte took her lead, took her hit on the chin like a champion and that's how you're supposed to do it these two women may have been speculated to be having backstage heat backstage and having problems but i don't think it's that simple i think these two women have figured out a way to coexist and they figured out a way to work out their problems to the extent that they were able to be professional in the ring with each other despite they played up the heat as well as they should have they went out there and they wrestled and they tore the house down. And that's how you're supposed to be. 
That's how you're supposed to do it. And that was a five-star match, A-plus all the way through from start to finish. And I don't want to hear nothing else about it. You can say what you want to about Charlotte Flair, but Charlotte Flair did put Becky over last night, and she did do her job. She sold those moves well, and Charlotte Flair is what she claims to be, which is the best in the business. Now, Becky did beat the best. So technically that makes her the best. So Becky Lynch performed well too. I ain't gonna shit on Becky. Becky performed very well. When you're in the ring with high quality, you have to put up high quality. And that woman did that. She came out there with fire. She came out there with spunk. And she was not giving Charlotte any room to move. Every time she did something, she matched her move for move. And that's how you're supposed to do it. They was out there, they worked, and that match was fucking amazing. And if anybody says that it wasn't, you a hating ass bitch, and that's just how I feel about it. Moving on. So, like I was saying before I started hollering, (laughs) that was a great match. I loved it. It's my favorite. It's gonna be my favorite for a while. So, Let's move on to the next match of the night, which was the five-on-five men's Survivor Series match, which I actually like this match very much as well. This match was fun, and I like the back and forth of it. There are some pieces of this match that I didn't like, but for the most part, overall, my feeling about this match was I loved it. So it started out with KO (laughs) fighting with Seth to be the one to start the match, and he ends up leaving. Like, Kevin... Straight up pulled to Seth Rollins because if you remember Survivor Series last year, they were in the Thunderdome and Seth Rollins pretty much sacrificed himself for Team SmackDown. Well, rather for Team Raw. He sacrificed it. Well, no, I said that wrong. Seth was on Team SmackDown and he basically sacrificed himself to Team Raw and claimed it was for the better, greater good. And then he was gone until Becky had their beautiful daughter and they got married. So Seth Rollins did this, did what he did. But last this year, Kevin did it a little bit different, but he did do it. Kevin stood out there and he pretty much acted as if he was going to be a team player and work. And sir said, no, no, I'm out of here. I have no reason <laughs> to do this. None whatsoever. I am leaving. <laughs> he was gone. Sir was not having it. He did not want to be a part of it. And he pretty much was just like, you guys can handle it. I'm out of here. Took his bow at the top of the key and he was gone. So Raw was down to four members and SmackDown still had their five. As time progressed, certain members of each team was eliminated from Xavier Woods, unfortunately, who was eliminated by fucking Bobby Lashley, which I hated that elimination. It was dead ass wrong. I don't care what nobody says. Y'all can be on my ass. All y'all want to, but fuck RoboCop because I'm sick of his bullshit, okay? And I felt like with everything that Xavier has done, he was owed an opportunity to perform better in Survivor Series. Now, I will say this. Xavier had a beautiful showcasing in Survivor Series, and he looked good doing it. But y'all got me fucked up if y'all think I'm going to sit up here and be like, oh, Bobby Lashley put on a good match. No, fuck him. Fuck RoboCop. Okay, um, <laughs> Xavier Woods got eliminated. Um, who else got eliminated? A couple other, obviously, everybody else got eliminated. Xavier Woods got eliminated. Corbin got eliminated. Um, eventually, um, Drew McIntyre and Bobby both got eliminated on a double countout, and 
Austin Theory got eliminated later. Finn Balor was eliminated. And um, that left Sheamus who, and Jeff Hardy, who were also eliminated later on in the show. Jeff Hardy was the sole survivor for SmackDown, and Seth Rollins was the sole survivor for Raw. Ultimately, Seth Rollins was able to pick up the win just by a small misstep of Jeff Hardy. He performed well, but he tried to do that swan time bomb, and I knew that Seth was going to get his knees up, and he did. So he was able to best Jeff Hardy and be the sole survivor for Team Raw. And Team Raw had two wins up over SmackDown at this point. So... It was like, damn, like we we can't win from losing. It was so much going on, child. But moving on, I believe the tag team championships was up next, and that was RK Bro versus um, the Usos. And I didn't really pay attention to that match. I'm not even gonna front or lie. That match for me wasn't something that I wanted to see. Um, and I'm not a big fan of RK bro like that. Cause I don't like Matt Riddle, but Randy Orton, of course, was a, was a good competitor in the match. But ultimately I, the Usos lost, which it shocked me. I thought that Randy and Riddle were going to eat the pin in this particular match. And they lost in an epic fashion. Jimmy jumped off the top rope thinking he was going to hit that frog splash and Randy came in and hit him with a famous RKO and it was nasty. So I really, really liked it, but it was just so nasty. It was good. It was a good match and man, well, it was a good RKO and man, they were not mincing any words and pulled out all the stops. Everything was just wow it's the best way to explain it and everything that we were doing watching this show at that point it was pretty lit like everything was going pretty strong but it was just like damn raw really is dominating this show they're not gonna smack down anything so we had a nice little reprieve or you can call it a break with the big battle royal the 25th anniversary battle royal for the rock they decided to do that and they had team raw and team smackdown of course so basically who was in this match well it was a lot of guys okay it was a it was a lot you had and i quote ricochet um mace mansoor um cesaro street profits viking raiders r-truth jinder mahal aj styles omas Sami Zayn, Humberto Carrillo, and you had Angel Garza, um, Apollo, and a Commander Aziz, uh, Jimbo and his handler, Chad Gable, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, uh, Straw Hair, and Baby Arms, which is Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, um, Jinder Mahal, and Shanky. All these men were part of the Battle Royal. Ultimately, Omos won the Battle Royal, which wasn't a shocker to anyone. And it just... Whatever. <laughs> I don't really like Omos, and I think that he he's boring. I don't understand people's obsession with him, nor do I get WWE's obsession with him. He's not a great wrestler. He doesn't move well in the ring. He's not fun to watch because you already know where this is going to go, and you already know how the match is going to end, so there's no point to watching it. There's no point to being invested in him. I don't care for Omos, so 
him winning this match was just okay. It was a good palate cleanser and it was a good way to go to the bathroom and kind of, you know, drain the sink, if you will. Anyways, let's move on to the five on five women's match, which was the next matchup of the night. We had Team Raw, which has Lena Vega, Carmella, Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, and Bianca Belair against Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, Blackheart, and Natalia and Tony Storm for Team SmackDown. Now, I knew that Team Raw was going to win for the women simply because Bianca's been on a roll for pretty much all of her of 2021. She has been the dominant force for 2021 despite Charlotte and Becky having their moments here and there. Bianca's been very consistent to her ascension to the top. She had a little bit of a pit stop going up against Becky, but I don't see that lasting too much longer. She's going to eventually get that title back. However, shots I mean, I just didn't see Shotzi and Sasha working it out. And with their team being so heavily loaded with heels, it didn't seem like it was going to work out in their favor either way. But that ultimately came to a head. Now, here's the big difference between the women's match and the men's match. The men's match flowed better. It had better flow. They worked together as a team despite being heels and faces. They worked well as a team together. You saw a bit of teamwork between Balor and Seth Rollins, which that shit was dope. And if they ever drop to the mid-card division, they will be a great tag team. Like I've never seen Balor in a tag team or win a tag team title. So him and Seth Rollins being tag team partners, if Rollins ever became a face and Balor ever be, will stay, to stay a face, I think that shit would be dope. That would rock the tag team division. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm just putting it out there. Moving on. When you look at how they work together, it didn't really start to break down until the end with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. For the most part, they worked well together throughout the entire match. For the women, that was not the case. It started off rocky. They started off with um, the arguing between Shotzi and Sasha. Um, it got to the point where they were going back and forth. They're hitting each other. They're fighting each other. They were arguing and fighting. And it, like I said, Team SmackDown was hitting each other. I mean, literally fighting with Sasha physically. Team Raw pretty much worked well with each other and did what they had to do. They were more individuals in a tag team match rather than working as a team in this tag team match. Ultimately, all of most of Raw's competitors were eliminated. Carmella got eliminated first. Let me tell you something. Carmella, you should be ashamed of yourself. You brought your ass out there with them damn tapings in your head and you actually thought you did something. I'm going to get into that stuff later, but I had to mention that, okay? Because that's a damn mess. But anyway, Carmella got eliminated first trying to put on her damn mask. Selena accidentally fell trying to help the bitch put the shit on. And she ended up getting eliminated for her troubles. Selena Vega was eliminated next. And Liv Morgan was then eliminated. Well, actually, Tony Storm was eliminated for Team SmackDown by Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan ultimately ended up getting eliminated next, as did Rhea Ripley. This left um, Bianca to be the sole survivor against Sasha, Shotzi, Natalia, and Shayna. Okay. They were all trying to compete and do things. Now, to Shayna's credit, Shayna was trying to be a team player. It wasn't until Sasha 
shoved Shotzi and Shotzi fell into Shayna that things started to truly break down for Team SmackDown. You saw the entire squad turn against Sasha and pretty much leave her out there hanging to dry. So how did that start? Well, they were supposed to get tagged in. Um, after Tony got eliminated, um, I don't know who came in for her. Um, I think it was Sasha. I don't remember. But anyways, they got ready to tag in. They were tagging in somebody from Nat- Natalia or Shayna, one of them. And Shotzi, no, Sasha tagged in first. Then Shotzi tagged in. Told Sasha to leave because she was not the legal man. Now, from my understanding, the ref was still standing there and he saw her tag in. But clearly he didn't because he did he was he recognized Sasha's tag but didn't recognize Shotzi's. And I was just confused. I was very confused because I was like, well, I literally just saw Shotzi tag in. So Shotzi's tag was irrelevant. It didn't mean anything because the ref didn't recognize the tag. I immediately thought Shotzi was the legal man. And I heard the commentary say that Shotzi was the legal man as well. So, you know, whatever. Any hoosies. This led to a big old fight between the two of them. With them throwing each other out of the ring or pushing each other. And ultimately, Sasha threw Shotzi out of the ring. This also... This also led to a fight between the rest of the squad with them trying to calm Shotzi and and Sasha down. Ultimately, because of the backbiting and fighting, Sasha got eliminated via time limit or rather count out, sorry. So that left Shayna, Shotzi, and Natalya. Bianca was able to best all of them. She was able to get rid of Shayna. She got rid of Natalia. And then ultimately she was able to pin Shotzi and get rid of her as well. So all three members of squad SmackDown were eliminated finally. And Bianca was the sole survivor for the five on five women's match, as well as for the Raw women's team. This was the final match of the night before we got to the big kahuna which was roman reigns versus big e to big e's credit big e put a work on roman reigns that hadn't been seen in quite some time the only person that really gave big roman a run for his money like big e was kevin owens and finn balor finn balor worked roman very well in their match but Big E matched Roman power for power, brawn for brawn. And I think that's one of Roman's biggest Achilles heels is when he has an opponent that's stronger than him, he has a difficult time maintaining the rhythm and flow of his matchups, but the opponent ma- makes up for it. So Big E did everything he was supposed to do. And on top of that, he had this match won. He had it. He had it. It was just one misstep. Very similar to what happened with Jeff Hardy. He pretty much got Superman punched the entire match. He was eating them shits though. But there was only so much that he could take. And eventually, a couple more spears later, and he was laid out. And Roman finally, finally won a match without cheating. And it was fair and square. There was nothing that could be said or done about it. On this night, Roman was the better man. Now, overall consensus of the Survivor Series, I love the show. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun to watch. It was high energy. It was 
back and forth. The matches weren't as predictable as I thought they were going to be. But ultimately, the predictableness of the show itself kind of lent to who was going to win. But if you came into it sight unseen, you didn't know anything, and you were just watching Survivor Series, you would not have known who was going to win and who was going to lose by how the performers performed in each match. And that's what counts to me. Going on the overall consensus of the show, like I said, I liked it. I do wish that SmackDown would have got some comeuppance instead of just Roman. It makes it feel as if he's the only one on the show who has any credibility. If you were watching this kayfabe-wise, it just would look like SmackDown is a bunch of losers and Roman's the only winner. Like, it just, I don't like that. What did I like about the show? Well, obviously, I was infatuated with Becky and Charlotte's matchup. I loved their match. Their gear was nice. I thought their gear was great. Um, From my understanding, their gear played off of two Marvel characters, Agatha and Scarlet Witch. If you've ever seen WandaVision, you'll know what I'm talking about. Their gear is supposed to be a play on them. At least that's what the rumor was. I don't know if Charlotte confirmed or denied it. But usually Charlotte's gear as of lately has a bit of cosplay to it. From the Dalmatians with Cruella DeVille to Maleficent to Thanos to Venom. She has some gears that are just really, really fire as of lately. And this one was no different. I loved her gear um this past sunday i thought she looked great in the black her makeup was good only thing i ain't like was them two shiesty ass braids homegirl had in the front <laughs> them braids was shiesty i don't know who did them but girl get your life you're gonna have to do something else like I, here's the thing about braids and i'm gonna move on when you put braids in your hair and you have very thin fine textured hair you need to match your braids with the hair that you're using the kind of hair that african-american women use afro-latina women and women of color period who have thicker coarser hair the kind of hair that we use is meant to hold our hair so the braids don't slip out number one and number two it's meant to match our texture because our hair is thicker and coarser this particular hair that we use which is usually called connectalon and tuckalon is thicker and coarser when you put that with fine textured hair it is obvious it stands out and it doesn't look right and that's what happened with charlotte it would have been a cute thing had they had used human hair that was her hair texture it's not hard to find they make the shit she make enough money she make millions y'all could have bought this bitch some real hair okay anyway <laughs> everything else was great the execution of everything else was fine her hair was all right without them two braids her makeup was pretty. She had the rhinestones on her face like she used to back in the day, which is a callback to her old school days. She looked good. I thought Charlotte looked great. The black looked nice on her. She came out there ready to roll. Becky's outfit was a bit sus for me, but I'm not going to shit on her too much. Makeup-wise, I thought she looked good. Her hair looked great. But when it came to the execution of her outfit, it seemed very lazy to me. 
Becky's kick pads was pretty much the only thing that stood out. And that's what a lot of people were really upset about. They were just like, it just didn't look right. If you don't have any concept of Marvel and what in, in those types of movies or comic books, you wouldn't understand the execution of the outfit. It just was, it was odd and it was different for Becky. Becky had on a one piece um, gear and them butter flaps, <laughs> aka her butt, them butter flaps was out, honey. Okay, the whole damn match, her butter flaps was out. And sis did not care, but live your best life. I'm just saying, maybe next time we won't get such a high cut, you know, um, one piece. Maybe we can get something else. But other than that, she looked nice. Red looks very good on her. I think she should stick with red or some variation of that. I don't. I didn't like the two pieces she used to wear before. She always looked like a Power Ranger to me. So I'm kind of, I was glad she came out with something different and it looked nice on her. So I gave both of them good points for wearing decent gear. Um, who else had something unique on? Zelina Vega had on a unique gear. A lot of people didn't know what she had on, but she was cosplaying as Naruto. If you haven't seen Naruto, it's an anime that comes on that a lot of people are very into that I believe now has shifted to his son, Baruto, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. She basically was cosplaying as Naruto. I thought it was an orange-based brand when she first came out, but it was just orange and blue and black, which is what Naruto's... Um, ninja gear looks like and that's what she was wearing and she even had his whiskers that he has on his face on her face with her queen crown and cape and shit she just looked she just looked dumb i'm sorry xavier was execution of his king's crown and his um uniform to be the king of the ring it just looks better it, it flows better it's solid he looks like what a king, a fighting king would look like. Zelina Vega just looks like a little kid with a crown and a cape and a scepter. It's, it's just stupid. <laughs> it's just stupid. We're going to move on. Because Carmella... Listen, I try to let people live their best life, but hell no. You came out there with them damn tapings in your hair and you had the audacity. To put the tape in on the side of your head, on top of your hair. Ma'am. <laughs> Who told you that was okay? Who told you that? No, 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 no. Didn't like it. Your hair was a mess. The ponytail was a mess. You was out there doing too much and you got fucked up for it because you wasn't doing what you were supposed to do. You end up being the first one eliminated. Girl. You earn that elimination with your hair looking the way it looked. And Carmella's a pretty woman. But Carmella, when certain features are accentuated, it doesn't work for her. Red lipstick on Carmella really mm, accentuates the, the massiveness of her mouth. And I think she needs to wear a deeper red than that red that she wore Sunday, it, it's not a pretty red on her. She needs to focus on that. Gear-wise, I love the gear. I loved her red gear when she had, had it on SmackDown going up against Sasha. I thought she looked gorgeous in that gear. It's It was a beautiful gear. I loved it. I don't know why people hate it so much, but I love that gear. It's one of my favorites. Bianca's gear was great. I thought her raw gear was fine. I thought she was good with it. 
Um, even Rhea put some red in her gear, which I thought was cool. On SmackDown side, I wasn't really feeling Sasha's gear too much, but that's pretty much Sasha's wheelhouse. That's her aesthetic for right now. Um, Shayna gave some new gear, and she had some pretty eye makeup. It was really nice. Um, Natalia gear is the same all the time, so I don't really care about Natalia's gear. She just, you know, she the best there was, and the best there is, and the best there ever will be. Uncle Brad, me and Uncle Brad. The tie get on my nerves sometimes. But anyway, um, who else has some new gear? Liv had some new gear. It was nice. Liv's gear was red as well. It was nice. Tony had blue gear. It looked good on her. Everybody had great gear on. Shotzi's gear was good. You know, everybody had decent gear. Everybody came out there and performed. They looked good. They did good. So, overall, I loved Survivor Series. I thought it was great. Big E's gear looked nice. Oh, I love Big E's gear. Big E's gear was great. Seth Rollins' gear was nice. I liked his coat. That was, um, I believe that's King Troy's coat from his um, clothing line. If you are interested, you can follow King Troy on Instagram. Overall, to me, Survivor Series was a solid, entertaining show. It had some quirky moments, some comedic moments, and some fun moments. And it also had the great matchups and the, the professionalism amongst the group, the group was to perform and pull out an amazing show. Despite low buildup, despite the complications, and despite the releases, they were still able to execute a damn near flawless show. And you've got to give WWE props where props are due. You might be mad and in your feelings, but the reality is they did a very good job. So kudos to you guys for showing up and showing out. The next pay-per-view is day one. That is in January. So we have literally a month and about a week left, uh, maybe two weeks that we have left before we even get to a pay-per-view. In that time frame, I expect titles to be defended and all that good stuff. Now, they probably won't change hands, but they more than likely will be defended because they usually don't go 30 days without a title defense. So a lot of people were asking me, do I think that Bianca Belair is possibly going to get another title shot? More than likely, the answer to that is yes. Now Liv Morgan is determined to be the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. So more than likely, she will get her title shot on Monday Night Raw against Becky Lynch, which she will then lose, and Becky will go on to fight Bianca one last time at day one. Now, um, that's that's at least giving you two storylines and backups for Becky Lynch for the next couple of months. Moving into Charlotte Flair, who has a similar storyline going for her. Charlotte Flair more than likely will defend her title against Tony Storm in between day one and Survivor Series. So probably mid-December, um, she will defend her title against Tony Storm, and then she will move on to Sasha Banks at day one, okay? Now, the next set of views that are being set up is Big E and um, Kevin Owens. Now, more than likely, Big E and Kevin Owens will have their bout at day one, or they may even have it earlier than that. 
I suspect that Big E probably will drop his title before day one even comes around, which I hate, but I just feel like that's where they're headed with this. I don't like it. It's not the greatest thing in the world, but Big E got to be champion for more than um, what most people thought he was going to be champion. Now, if they let him keep it until day one, I'll be satisfied with the length of time because Big E has plenty of time to regain that WWE championship again. Now, Two people are vying for the title at this point for Big E. There's Seth Rollins who has the contract that he can cash in whenever he wants, which I'm pretty sure he's going to use it, similar to the way that you use Money in the Bank. And Carmelo Hayes used his contract that he won with the breakout tournament. Um, And then you have Kevin Owens who has completely gone full heel and will more than likely be the one to physically challenge Big E and then lose where and Seth Rollins comes in and picks the bones. That's kind of like how I think it's going to happen. Um, Damian Priest has pretty much been fluctuating between light and dark in terms of his character and there isn't really an adversary for him except for Apollo Crews. He's the one who staked his claim to be the next person to take that title off of Damian Priest. This is highly possible, but we need to see how this storyline is going to play out. Moving on to the next storyline that should be rolling on Raw, which is Dewdrop versus Bianca Belair. So more than likely, they will have a match today. They more than likely um, will continue to feud with each other while Becky is still preoccupied with Liv Morgan. And then they'll move forward from there with Bianca back into title contingency, I assume. Um, I think I covered all my bases with the titles. Oh, the tag team titles for the women and the men. So for the women, I think the tag team titles will be dropped to Zelina Vega and Carmella. I don't think they're going to hold on to those titles soon. I also think that Nikki Cross is probably going to end this Nikki Ash character very soon. Even though it worked out for the kids and the kiddos and it gave her a little bit of an, uh, you know, a little bit more depth to her as a character. I think that this aspect of Nikki is going to change again. She's probably going to go back to crazy Nikki. And if she does, a lot of people want that. So good for her. They're going to put Rhea Ripley back into the singles um, division. She needs to be back there. They need her there at this point. So bringing her back is just fine um and as far as rk bro is concerned with the tag team titles i don't know they've pretty much gone through everyone outside of the street profits and the viking raiders um i think the viking raiders are on smackdown though i'm not sure where they are but they've pretty much gone through the street profits um they well they never got the chance to wrestle well they did but they match got interfered so they could double back to the street profits but they have beaten the dirty dogs at least twice they beat omas and aj styles several times there's no point in going back to that so in my mind the only two viable teams left are jimbo and chad cable and the street profits which they can create a storyline out of that and drop those titles to one of them and um give chad gable like a second tag team title run as a villain you know whatever works for them so that's pretty much all of the um storylines that are going to happen on raw from here on out let's move on to smackdown 
So SmackDown has several storylines going. Brock Lesnar is still looming in the wind over Roman Reigns. Of course, you still have Xavier, who is the king, who has his issues with Roman Reigns and his cousins. And I'm pretty sure Roman isn't going to be happy that SmackDown didn't win any of the matchups. I don't think he cares about anything other than his cousins losing because they did lose to Randy Orton and him this past Sunday. So that might be a point of contingency for him. Now, what else do they have going on here? Like I mentioned, you have the situation with Charlotte Flair and Tony Storm. And of course, eventually you'll have the matchup between Sasha and Charlotte. Charlotte's going to have her hands full for a little while. Well, Sasha's going to have her hands full with a little while, excuse me, with Shotzi, obviously. And this may lead to her having problems with Shayna Baszler later on, or even Natalia, seeing as how they all three pretty much helped get rid of her at Survivor Series. For the men, the Intercontinental Championship is, is always in contest. So Shinsuke Nakamura is the champion currently. But you very well could say that, um, you know, um, Corbin could take that title off of Shinsuke, which I think is going to end up happening. Um, it could be Sheamus who takes the title off of um, Shinsuke. They could go that route. Um, Sheamus is the only one on the roster currently who hasn't challenged Roman to a match. It just wouldn't make sense to do it right now because Roman is in the midst of a feud with Brock Lesnar. And his suspension is lifted very soon. So he, he matter of fact, it is lifted now. So he probably will show up on Friday Night SmackDown and wreak more havoc like he always does. Um, we covered the women's title, we covered the mid-card title, and we covered everything else. You still have a few going on with Sonya, DeVille, and Naomi, which now has Aaliyah included for whatever fucking reason. So, you have a lot going on. Huberto Carrillo is on, and Angel Garza are also probably going to be buying for those tag team titles at some point. However, I don't know who's going to take those titles off of the Usos. It could be anybody to take them off. But I think the Usos are going to lose the tag team titles first. And that's going to start the downfall and the descent of the bloodline. With them dropping the titles and then Roman finally losing his title and going on a losing streak. We shall see. With all that being said, those are the storylines that I can remember that are going to happen or continue to flow out on the show or at least start up. Don't know who the Usos are going to contend and compete with in terms of tag teams at this point. The tag team division is pretty low. You still have Ali, Mansoor, Mace, Cesaro, and so many others on the SmackDown roster that can do things outside of that big title. And of course, on Raw, you still have that bullshit 24-7 championship thing and so much more going on. Hopefully, WWE has halted on their releases, but no one knows for sure. I'm hoping and praying they have and they move forward with the brand that they with the brands that they have. I suspect very soon that those brands will join forces and you'll have a one brand show for both shows and Survivor Series more than likely will go back to the traditional heel versus um, face teams rather than brand versus brand teams. This probably is one of the last Survivor Series that you're going to have that is brand versus brand. With all that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed my review of... 
Survivor Series and the storylines to come and what I think is going on. I'm going to do a podcast with my girls later on this evening and we're going to have a full-on conversation about everything and we're going to make sure that we close out our podcast year with a bang. So you guys, make sure you stay tuned for that. And as always, follow us on our social media. We do a very good job of maintaining our Twitter. Can't say the same thing about Instagram, but follow us there anyway, because I do try to post on there when massive things happen. Make sure you guys follow us on our social media platforms. At Down for the Count 19 on Twitter and at D4TC underscore podcast. We're going to have new things coming for the coming year. So you're going to want to come back. And as always, with every segment that we add and all the new things that we add, we appreciate every single one of you guys for listening. All our new listeners who've come in, welcome and thank you so much. And to our oldies but goldies, we always love you and always have appreciated you. Our listening is going up and we appreciate the love. We can't stress that enough. Thank you so much. It's a labor of love and um, we work hard on this podcast. So we really want it to go and take off and do things great. Okay. So we'll see you guys next year around day one. We appreciate you and bye. Small note. I am going to do a full review of NXT War Games. Just so you know, I don't want anybody to think that we're not, I'm not going to cover war games because we're on a break. We are on a break as a group, true enough. But I know that war games comes on after the Survivor Series, which is usually the final pay-per-view that we cover on our podcast. So to be fair, I'm going to cover war games because war games usually comes on before Survivor Series. I'm going to cover war games on December 3rd. I'm going to give you guys a full story review or full story recap like I always do. And then we'll do a full review of the show. Okay? So on that note, got to go.